Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any other such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. And in the same way, husbands, you should love your wives as your own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. As we continue to study these precious words about this loving relationship that God has given to husbands and wives, I'd like to call back to our minds two recent messages. First on verse 21, where God commands each of us to be under submission to one another. And then the other message in verses 22 through 24 that command wives to be submissive to your husbands. In those messages, we spoke about why God gives commands to his children. And we asked the question, why and under what circumstances does God deem it necessary to give commands to you and me, his children? And we said that God gives commands to us when the thing that he is commanding us to do does not come as a natural response within our given nature. In other words, as in the case of a submissive response towards one another, that is not a natural response within a person's character, within any person's character, and especially within a wife's character. It does not come natural for her to be submissive to her husband. And so God then gives a direct command to her. Wife, be under submission to your husband. And yes, we said that some people, some wives are by nature more passive, more easygoing than others. But beneath that surface of a personality is an independent nature that at some level will always revert back to the demands of self and pride, my claim to my right to myself. And now here in verse 25, we find another command being given from God this time specifically addressed to us husbands. Verse 25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Some years ago, after reading this verse countless numbers of times, I suddenly read it again for the very first time. As odd as those words sound, they're so true. I had read this verse so many, many times over the years, but I had never let it reach past a casual understanding of what it might mean to me as a husband. And yes, I had also read the words of 1 Corinthians 13 on many occasions. We actually had a song that had these words within it that we sang on a regular basis at French camp. And I really thought that I understood these words from 1 Corinthians 13. And to some measure, I actually thought that I was living them. 
these words again. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And love never ends. Precious words. And I knew them well. But as I read these words of Ephesians 5, on that occasion back in those days, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loves the church and gave himself for her. I was suddenly brought under one of the most dramatic convictions that I had ever experienced in all my years as a Christian. God's Holy Spirit took hold of my heart and he compelled me to begin asking myself, do I really love my wife in this way as Christ loves her? Because that's exactly what these words mean. The church spoken about here is the body of believers who have received Christ as their Savior and Lord. And my wife is one of those believers. And so then, the question becomes, do I love my wife as Christ loves her? And immediately, I knew that I did not. And that this would be one of the most Difficult questions that I would ever find need for answers to. May I pause here for a moment and reflect that God is a very wise and loving Father. A Father who knows that exact special right moment in time to move His beloved children onto a next level in their growth and in their relationship with Him. Because that's where all of this has to begin. Looking back, it is clear to me that this moment that I'm speaking about here was one of those moments with the Lord and me. In those moments, God simply said to me, my beloved child, it's time for you to get up and move on with me. It's time for you to know me and to love me all the more. And it's going to begin with your relationship with your wife. A precious time with the Lord. It was then that the Spirit of Christ began asking me, Bill, are you willing to love your wife as I love her? And his compelling voice caused me to respond with, I really want to. Yes, I really want to. But I don't know how. I don't know how. So tell me how I am to love her. But especially tell me how you love her. And it was within those moments that I was immediately brought to my knees in repentance. Repentance. Because by the unction of His Spirit, I knew that what I had within me and all that I had been doing in the past was nothing at all like Christ's measure of love. That all that I had been experiencing was simply a human emotion and not much more. And in my repentance, I began to ask God's Spirit to guide me, to help me, to put 
within me all that it was going to take for me to get from where I was to where I needed to be in this in the fulfilling of this command to me to love my wife as Christ loves her. And I began with these words, asking, how does Christ love my wife? says here, he loved her and gave himself for her. Jesus was not just willing to give himself, but he was actually willing to follow through and to actually die for her. And he did actually die for her. And he did it for the reasons that we're told here in these words, verse 26, that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present her to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any other such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. But immediately I knew that I could not do exactly as he had done. Christ is the one, the only person who can be the Savior to another person. And I dared not try to usurp his position or authority. And he didn't ask me to do that. But with that being said, I still had this command sitting in front of me. Husband, Bill, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So then, what was I to do? How was I to obey this clearly given command. One of the first answers that was brought to my mind by the Lord was given to me in Romans 12. Knowing that God wasn't calling me to physically die as Jesus did, I still knew that there was a death to die, a sacrifice to be made. And these words from Romans chapter 12 began my quest towards understanding what I needed to do. He says, in beginning in verse 1 of Romans 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Folks, there truly is a death to be died, a sacrifice to be made by each of us if we ever hope to have a relationship with Christ. And in many ways, our death really becomes a very literal kind of death, one that's truly painful if we do as these words command us to do. Ever so difficult to carry out. But listen, a death that is required nonetheless. It has to be before a person can ever move on forward with the Lord. There's a message that I will need to preach on another day, but simply put, from the words of Romans chapter 6, we know that we must first die to self. Die to self. Die to the obsessive demand for my claim to my right to myself. That claim that lurks within the surface, under the surface of every heart in this room.
we have to deal with that before we can ever hope to be able to move on forward with the Lord. Self. That was my first obstacle to overcome. Because I realized that I was one of those pitifully wretched selves. And unfortunately, I saw that my wife was also one of those pitifully wretched selves. Each of us crying out for the other one to love us, for the other one to meet our needs, but all the while needing to ourselves die to our own wretched sin and self. Thankfully, God's Spirit was guiding my thoughts in those moments, else I would have resorted to that natural conclusion that seems to be wrongfully taken even with marriage counselors, that both the husband and the wife would just simply sit down at a table and try to work out how the other could go about solving their problems for them. Do you see anything wrong with that? Well, from God's Spirit, I knew that that kind of solution was not the answer to gaining real love. And I knew that I was going to need to dig deeper. Thankfully, in my quest, God brought a thought to my mind in the form of a question. Why is it that nowhere in the Scriptures do we find a command from God for my wife to love me? It's not in here. And recall again that general rule for God's giving of His commands. God will give a command to us when the thing that He's commanding us to do does not come natural as a response within her given nature. I quickly came to realize that the response of love was actually a natural response within the heart of my wife. That she did not need to be commanded to love me. That her love would come as a natural response to me, her husband, first showing love to her. Now where did I get that conclusion from. comes from John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. We love Him because He first loved us. We can love Him, and we will love Him because He first loved us. We are the bride of Christ, His wife, and He is our husband. Why did we ever turn our hearts to Him in salvation and love Him? It's because He first loved us. His first loving us drew us to respond and love Him back. Now may I say that again. The love of a bride, a wife, is a responding form of love. As the bride of Christ, we were drawn to love Christ because He first loved us. From that realization about our love for Christ, I came to understand that God had designed that very same plan for me and my wife. That in order for her to be able to love me, I would first need to love her. May I say that another way? Instead of me and my wife standing in each other's face demanding that the other one meet our needs, if I would first give up my demands 
of self and first love her, then she would give up her demands of self and love me back. And that would solve all the needs of the both of us that we have been desiring and crying out for and demanding from one another. And so I committed myself to that quest. The quest of loving my dear wife for the first time in the right way. And I recall those first days so clearly. I really didn't know how to begin. And so I decided I should look around for an example of a love relationship that I believe was patterned after the love of Christ. And that special love relationship was being clearly demonstrated by some of our closest friends, and some of you know them, the Newman family. Nowhere had I witnessed the love of Christ being lived out in a family like I witnessed with Ralph and and Margie Newman. So I went to them for counsel. And through guidance that they offered, especially Margie, I was set on the path to where we are today, to the most blessed relationship of love that my wife and I could ever hope for. Now because of the limited time available in this message, I'll not be able to share all the details that took place in those beginning days of my quest to love my wife, and I would love to share those with you. They're interesting. But needful to say is that I began to intentionally die to self. First thing, die to self. And to intentionally begin showing my love, the love of Christ towards my wife. And true to the words of these scriptures, my wife began immediately to respond to my love for her by loving me back. And from those first days through this very moment, our love has grown and grown, limited only by those momentary missteps that occasionally take place within a relationship. Those kinds of missteps, by the way, that can be quickly resolved through repentance and love. Before I close, I want to take a moment and go back and clarify something that I said a moment ago. That yes, there are times perhaps often, that a husband and wife should sit down and discuss their problems. It's a good thing to do. It's a good thing to do. But listen, please understand that such efforts are not the first and the real answer to this command. The first and real answer to this command is first for the husband to love his wife. It cannot come about any other way. And then after that's done, then... Yes, sit down. But may I say, those discussions then will be very different than they were before. They will be discussions about how each can love the other better. Folks, these scriptures are clear. The beginning point must always start with dying to self. Dying to self and with sincere repentance taking place. It's only then that we can turn from being takers to being givers, just as Christ and His bride are towards one another. Christ is a giver. May I say again also, though, in as strong a manner as I can express, 
the husband must always take the lead. The husband must always take the lead, and immediately so. And he must begin to be very intentionally, purposefully, and openly showing his love of Christ to his wife. That's God's plan. That's his design for the perfect marriage. The husband taking the lead and never relinquishing his responsibilities as the leader, and especially the spiritual leadership. Showing, demonstrating, and openly, out loud, visibly, so that the wife is never left to wonder or question what's taking place. Why is that so necessary for the husband to to be out front, open and, and visible? It's because just as you and I always need to be able to see Christ, to see Him out there in front of us and to trust with all certainty that He is intimately involved in all the many details of daily life, especially those troublesome ones. So also a wife has this deeply felt need to know that her husband is close at hand and supportive and will take her side and will lead her through those troublesome moments. It's all part of this oneness that we spoke about earlier and we'll speak more about in the weeks to come. It's part of this oneness that's spoken about between a husband and wife. So then again, husbands, be the leaders and especially the spiritual leaders. And we'll talk about why you need to be the spiritual leader in next week's message. Take the leadership, showing it, demonstrating it openly, out loud, visibly. I cannot emphasize that enough. Don't assume that everybody knows that you're the leader of the family. Be the leader of the relationship so that your wife never has to wonder. She can always rest with confidence and assurance that she's loved. And if you will love her as Christ loves her, everything will change. Everything will change. You will change. Your wife will change. Your children will change. And all for the best. All for the best. God guarantees it. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Let's pray.